They didn't realize we were seeds. They didn't realize you were seeds. They open doors so others can walk through them. Your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Sagliari, and this is Salt the Podcast. Welcome to Salt the Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. My guest today is my friend Zina Malas, whom I met in 2007 during my studies in London. Zina is a third culture kid who was born in the UK and raised in the UAE. She further lived in Beirut, London, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia. Zina has a degree in political science and a master's in anthropology of media. She worked in government research and radio and helped to set up numerous radio stations in the Middle East. She's a single mom to two beautiful daughters, and her divorce, homeschooling, and COVID all led her to change career, and now she's certifying as a sexuality educator. In this episode, we speak about women's bodies, body shaming, stretch marks, sexuality education, a long list of wonderful and inspirational women, and we hear concrete examples from Zina on how she's raising her daughters with regard to all that, and of course, much more. This episode is rich, and it was so much fun recording. I hope you will enjoy it, everybody. Welcome, Zina. Welcome to Soul, the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with us today. Thank you for having me. So let's uh, start. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Zina? Who is Zina? Right now, <laughs> Zina <laughs> is a single mom of two girls, and uh, I am living in Jordan. And I'm currently certifying a, as a sexual health educator. Uh, I am a daughter, a sister. Uh, I know I shouldn't be labeling myself with just these titles. I'm more than just that. Uh, I am kind, I am compassionate, I'm easygoing, I'm open-minded, and I'm always eager to learn more. Yes. And of course, we will find out much more throughout the conversation. And you already said it, um, you decided to become a certified sexuality educator. It's funny, we were messaging and then you told me that you're doing this. So I got really, really interested in it. So of course, I want to hear all about it. I want to know why did you decide to study this? Why did you decide to really make this career switch. And yeah, tell us all about it. Well, uh, my background is actually in media, um, but uh, I haven't been working for the last seven years since I had my babies. But I realized as a mom that there wasn't any comprehensive uh, educational tools to teach my daughters on how to talk about their bodies, what was age appropriate, I, I got whatever I could off the internet, off of Instagram. Uh, there's a lot of content now out there. But uh, as they were growing up, I realized, do I want to raise them the way I was raised? Do I want to raise them in a way where I'm more open-minded about these things, where there's no shame in a body-positive uh, sort of mentality? Do I want to keep communication open with my children? I don't want them to feel afraid to come and talk to me about anything. So it's kind of like a, a no shame upbringing that I want to have for my daughters. 
So I decided that um, because there's a lack of, of uh, proper educational tools, especially in the Middle East, that I would have to educate myself. And through doing this, I found that there's a certification program with the Sexual Health Alliance in the U.S., and it's basically a certification, which is a year to two years of studying. And um, yeah, eventually I'll be able to hold workshops, uh, be able to go, go give talks at schools or give private consultations for people who need any help with anything to do with their bodies, with their sexual health, with reproduction, with anything that is concerning for anybody. So even talking about bullying, talking about consent, boundaries, um, watching inappropriate content online for children, anything that has to do with sexual health, basically. So that's that's what pushed me. And uh, what also encouraged me more was uh, the fact that my own child had uh, an issue with her body, and I had to educate myself more as well. And I realized that there is really a need for this. In, in our society, in our culture. And unfortunately, like I said, the Middle East doesn't have many resources. So that was the, the push. And that was the, you know, the lockdown, homeschooling, uh, divorce. They all changed my path in life. And um, I just realized this is what I need to be doing right now. And how did people react on it? Like, what are the reactions? <laughs> it's a mixed bag actually I get people telling me you know this is amazing we really need this in our region we need to uh, you know teach our children teach the parents on how to educate their children about their bodies there's a big demand for it there's a big need for it and then there's the other side which is do you really want to give yourself this headache you know already our region is very difficult there's a lot of taboos there's a lot of shame there's a lot of victim blaming there's a lot of oh my god we don't talk about these things let's sweep them under the carpet Um, or when you're married, you'll suddenly know everything, you know, and it's just like, no, actually, we need to talk about these things. So I, I have mixed reactions. Sometimes I have friends who tell me, do you really want to give yourself this headache? You're, you're fighting, you know, against the tide. And it's just, yeah, I really want to do this. Amazing. And your daughters, they know that you're studying this, like they understand. Um, well, my daughters are still young, yeah. but I do, I do try out some of my my uh, resources and some of the things that I'm learning out on them. So I don't think that they think there's anything going on. They know mommy's studying, but I don't think they specifically know what I'm studying. So I've left the conversation with them very open mm -hmm. about a lot of things when it comes to their bodies. I think they think that that's probably what every parent does with their child. So I don't think they're aware of what it is that I'm exactly doing. Yes. Yes. And of course, I will ask you later on also about like more specifically about your daughter. So we want to hear some examples later on. But before we, we go there, um, you wrote something that I thought was or is really, really beautiful. You said, I thank God every day for blessing me with two beautiful daughters. I want to teach my girls to love themselves, to appreciate what their bodies can do and that health is more important than being skinny. I'm so sick and tired of people judging women's bodies, especially after having children. Stretch marks are my battle scars. 2017 was the year I got stronger and inshallah 2018 is the year I get wiser. <laughs> It's such a powerful statement and I want you to elaborate on this. I didn't want to just leave it there. I really want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Um, well, after I had my daughters, 
I realized that people's comments about women's bodies, it's as if people have green light to talk about their bodies. Oh, she's gained a lot of weight after having a child. Oh, she really let herself go with this one. Uh, oh, her husband's not going to find her attractive anymore. She'd better get thin now before her husband goes and cheats on her. Um, and it's like, who gave you, first of all, no one's asking for your opinion. And second of all, why does everyone think that they have a green light to comment on every woman's body? Why is that okay? We don't go around doing that with men. Oh, look at him. He's put on the pounds after he's gotten <laughs> married. His wife is going to go cheat on him. I don't hear anyone talking like that about men. So why do we do it with women? What, what's up with this? So, you know, I went through a phase after I had both of my children and I, I just hated my body. And I was like, you know, my stretch marks, my my loose skin, I felt I felt disgusting, you know? And then I realized, why do I feel disgusting? My My stretch marks, they are my battle scars. I carried life inside of me. I should be proud of that. My body has done so many beautiful things. And instead of loving it, I'm self-loathing and it felt horrible to be stuck in this cycle of self-loathing that I said, you know what? I'm going to be a great role model for my daughters. I'm going to teach them that health is more important than being skinny or than your outside appearance or anything. My health, my well-being, my emotional health, my physical health, these are all important aspects. I have to take care of myself. And this is how I will be a role model for my children. So you know, I started to get my life back on track. I started therapy. I went to the gym. I started having healthier habits. And then I suddenly started to feel stronger. And obviously with that, I get comments on, oh, wow, you look great. Oh my God, you've lost so much weight. You look so skinny now. And I said, you know, I'm not doing this for anybody. I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this for my daughters and I'm not doing it to get skinny. It's just by default, I'm eating healthier. I'm going to the gym. I'm exercising. Yes, by default, I am getting healthier. But it's more for my well-being. It's more than just my appearance. It's for my well-being. So I want to teach my daughters that you don't need to listen to anybody's opinion about your body. It's not their place to sit there and comment about it. As long as you are healthy and you feel healthy and you feel good about yourself and you're not stuck in a cycle of self-loathing self-loathing, and hating yourself, then what does it matter? So yes, it was all about setting a good example for my children. That's that's what I wanted to do because I saw growing up, we saw skinny models in magazines. I never saw anybody with my body type. Um, I was considered overweight. But when I look back, I say, I wasn't overweight. Why, why yeah. did I think I was overweight? It's because they made me think I was overweight, but I wasn't. So yeah, I don't want my daughters to be influenced by what's around them. I want them to have a healthy role model at home and have me to look up to yes that's so important after uh, the birth of my one of my sons i had to do physiotherapy and mm -hmm. um i was there and the, the physiotherapist she was a woman really cool woman feminist really amazing a beautiful person and i had to undress myself just to stay in my underwear and she was sitting and she was looking at like she was sitting so she was facing my belly right and and she was looking at me And then she touched my belly and she held me and she says, look at you, look at this beautiful body of yours that has birthed two children, that has given life, that has carried life, you know, and she almost made me cry, you know, because nobody had ever said that to me ever. 
And it was so, so powerful and so beautiful. And that was the first time that mm. I realized, yes, I carried life. I carried mm. something inside of me, you know, and, and it was so beautiful and so powerful. And she was really influential on me because um, I went there quite, quite for quite some time. But it started with this very beautiful moment with a woman that I had just met and how she looked at me and my body. It was just wonderful. So, that's, that's beautiful. Honestly, yeah. that's beautiful. I wish we were more understanding and treated people with kindness yeah. instead of being so judgmental. I, I remember there's so many, especially in Arab society, I feel that this is more prevalent here where, you know, we, we, we see somebody who's just given birth five months ago. And I've heard these comments in front of me. And people say, oh, she didn't lose any of the baby weight. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, she looks gross. And I'm just like, do you know how hard it is for her? She had a C-section. Uh, she's She has two other kids she needs to take care of. She's She doesn't have time to even probably take a shower. And you're sitting there judging her body. Shame on you. You know, go look yeah. in the mirror. Yeah. Relax. Why are we so tough on women's bodies? If anything, we should be kinder. Yes. Yeah. There are more important things than a woman's body. I don't know why it offends people so much. Yeah. 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 I can share a lot more stories now, but I, I don't know, know if we want to go there. No. <laughs> There's a lot of examples. Yes. Absolutely. Totally. And Zina, I mean, I see how much your daughters have influenced you and changed you to the, to, I will say to the better. And I can say it to myself because my last kid was, is my daughter. And she changed so much in me. She brought back Absolutely. a lot of trauma, but she also changed so much in me, things that I had to work on or I still have to work on. I quit my job. I went back to uni. I started my podcast, so on and so forth. And a lot of it has to do with her. So I see the same in you. And I want to know, how do you raise your daughters? I want you to give us like more specific examples, because of course, you've already mentioned a few things, but it would be really nice if you could share with us some specific things that you do. So obviously, <laughs> I'm not perfect in the way I raise my daughters. Everyone, you know, loses their temper every now and then. You know, there is a bit of screaming in the house, you know, I've, and which I think is absolutely normal. Yes. Because kids don't always listen. And if they did always listen, then there might be something wrong <laughs> going on there. Uh, kids are not always meant to follow the rules. Exactly. We're here to teach them. We're here to guide them, actually. And and I always think about it like that. I'm here to guide them, to be, to make them become kind, responsible human beings to be able to be self-sufficient and to take care of themselves. And that's just my job. It's just to guide them. I'm not here to control them, to tell them how they're supposed to live their lives. I'm literally just a guide. And, you know, as long as they are kind, compassionate, um, well-rounded, educated children, then I'm happy. You know, my job is done. So, What I do try to do with them is I try to foster an environment where it's very open for communication. Um, nothing is off limits with my children. And, you know, sometimes they're curious and sometimes they're not curious. And depending on the question, I will answer it, you know, as honestly and as age appropriately as I can. Um, and each child is different. My eldest child is, for example, a lot more curious than my youngest child. My youngest child likes to build and do construction and you know each personality each child has a personality and they're very different so for example let's say you know I was raised in a house where the chocolate was hidden away <laughs> and in my house I don't try to hide the chocolate but I also want to be responsible that they don't overdo the sugar so 
in my house, I don't use the words fat. Uh, I don't use the words uh, obese. You will become obese. What I do try to say is, for example, is, mommy, why are you eating so much sugar? What do you think? Do you think sugar is good for your body? I try to make them answer those questions instead of telling them what to do. So I want them to learn how to be responsible. So um, I'll tell them, for example, you know, sugar isn't good for your teeth. Uh, too much sugar is not good for your tummy. Um, I try to avoid the labels that society gives, which is you will get fat, you will get, you know, all of this. Uh, another thing that I try to focus on is anger. Um, when my child is displaying anger for for whatever reason, they're not getting something that they want, or they're not doing something the way they would like to, they put too much pressure on, on themselves. And I see that the anger has taken over, that they're beyond the point of listening. A great technique that I've learned is to tell my child to go to their room and to scream into a pillow. And I want to teach them that it's okay to be angry. A lot of times we tell them, stop, don't be angry. Uh, you know, there's a tendency to, to, they want to stop the anger. I want to teach my children that it's okay to be angry. You're entitled to your feelings. You're entitled to your emotions. So go into the room, scream into your pillow, punch your pillow, throw a toy on the floor, get your anger out and come back to me and talk to me when you are calmer. Because when you talk to me, when you are angry, nothing will, will get across. Your point won't get across. I won't listen. You won't listen. And we'll be butting heads. So go get your anger out. It's okay to be angry. Come back to me when you're calmer. And I find that this technique seems to be working for me so far. Um, that's one way that I deal with anger on a daily basis. I think basis. I will use this technique for myself as this well. This is actually like a, for me, a when technique. I'm angry, I'm going to yes, scream it to my pillow. <laughs> then go back absolutely. to my kids. Oh, everyone should do this because yeah. it's like we teach people that anger is not okay. You're not yeah. entitled to be angry. Learn to control your emotions. Mm -hmm. No, you don't need to learn to control your emotions. You need to learn how to process your emotions. So anger is an emotion just like everything else. Happiness, joy, sadness. It's, it's, an, it's an emotion. But how we process our anger is important. Uh, so that's a big, a big uh, key to how I'm raising my daughters. Um, yeah. The pillow is the most important one for me. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> That's something I learned in therapy. It was excellent. <laughs> uh, also, based on what I'm studying, I try to link it with what I teach my daughters on a daily basis. So, for example, I mentioned before, I teach age-appropriate content. So I'd be able to do this with other parents and how to teach parents to talk to their children. So I've been practicing this on my own children. So, for example, you know, I recommend from zero to four years old labeling the body parts properly. So we have no problem talking about body parts like nose, ear, eyes, you know, but we have an issue saying penis, vulva, vagina, uh, anus. Why, why is that so difficult? It's just a body part. So that's one thing I would say from zero to four years old, I would start talking about the body. And since now my children are over this age, from four to seven, I talk about issues such as consent and boundaries so, for example, I don't know if this is in your culture as well, but we have a thing where we we have to say hello to the grown-ups wherever we go. Yeah. And, you know, part of the saying hello to everyone is hugging and kissing and touching and, you know, very affectionate ways of saying hello. And sometimes kids are not comfortable kissing strangers or your great aunt that they've never met, you know. So what I want to teach them is that they have the right to say no when it comes to their bodies. So it's not about being rude to other people. It's finding alternative ways 
on how to use your body. For example, if my five-year-old tells me, mama, I don't want to kiss this lady. I don't know her. I want to teach her that her telling me this, first of all, high five for telling me how you feel. Well done. And second of all, your feelings are very important to me. This stranger or this family member's feelings are not more important than your feelings. So I'm not going to tell her, no, you have to. Shame on you. You have to go say hello to her. I'll teach her, you know what? For example, we don't have to hug and kiss her if you're not comfortable. But would you like to say hello in another way, in an alternative way? Maybe today you'd like to give high fives or fist bumps or do a little dance or twirl around, whatever it is, whatever makes you comfortable. And so this, in a way, gives them an an option that they are in charge of their bodies. They are comfortable in how they would like to say hello. It's not being rude. It's teaching her that your body is important. Your feelings are important. And this stranger's feelings are not more important than yours. Because if it starts at that age, telling them that, no, you're, you're embarrassing yourself or you're making this person feel bad because you're uncomfortable, what's going to happen when they grow up? Absolutely. As grown-ups, as a woman yes. living in the Middle East, I've, put, I've, I've been put in situations where I'm, I'm afraid to say no sometimes. Yeah. So I've had strangers on planes try to hold my hands, uh, my hand, and I'm just like, I can't say no to this person. But at the same time, he's holding my hand. You're violating my space. Oh, I can't make him feel uncomfortable. But wait a second. He's making me feel uncomfortable. Why am I too embarrassed to say anything? Because I've been taught that we have to respect our elders in a way that makes us uncomfortable. So this is another thing that I'm trying to teach my children. So if we walk into a room filled with family members and my daughter's uncomfortable, I'll say, you know what? Sitting today feels like giving everybody high fives. Okay. When she feels more comfortable, if she's ready to go and sit on her aunt's lap or do whatever, so be it, you know? Um, Another way is also, this is uh, consent and boundaries, you know? It's learning to say no. Who has access to your body? So this is something very important that I teach my children from a very young age. Um, Mom is the only person that has access to your body when you're naked, for example. Mom is the only person, first of all, ideally, I would like people to ask before they touch. So I teach this in a general manner, not just when it comes to specific body parts. So let's say I want to squeeze my daughter's thighs because, you know, I'm feeling affectionate. I'll ask her first, mommy, do you mind if I squeeze your thighs? They look so cute today. It's, I'm asking her for her permission. So sometimes I forget to ask and she tells me, mommy, you're touching my body. You didn't ask me. I'm like, well oh. done. Well done. You know that people need to ask you for permission to touch your body. That's great. Yes. Okay. I'm her mother. Some people might think I'm taking this a bit too far, <laughs> but it teaches them that people have to ask permission. It's not just about your body. It's about your things. It's about what's important to you you know, and they in turn will do that to other people. So can I take a picture with you? Can I borrow your toy? Can I, you know, you're, you're creating the idea of consent of asking people permission and seeing what makes them comfortable and are not and teaching them what, when somebody says stop or somebody says, no, you respect it. So for example, my children were playing the other day and one of them was trying to tickle the other one. And she said, stop, it's not funny. It's hurting me. And so she stopped. Instead of just continuing and fighting or whatever, she just stopped. She said, okay. She said, stop. That means I have to stop. And and that is teaching them that when no means no and stop means stop, they respect it. So when I do it, when I tell them stop, they say, oh, stop is that big word that we need to listen to. Okay, I'm going to listen to mommy now. It takes practice, obviously. It's not something that happens instantaneously. But it's just teaching them about 
permission, consent, boundaries. Um, who has access to your body also, I was saying, was very important. So I teach them, for example, you know, if you go to the doctor's office, the doctor must ask you first or tell you, I'm going to touch whatever body part right now, you know, and they have to ask for permission. So for example, if my daughter tells me I need to change and I'll tell her, okay, change. And she'll tell me, but my uncle is in the room next door. I'll tell her, okay, go into the room next door, close the door, change, and then come back out. You know, it's just teaching her who has access to her body and avoiding, this is a preventative way on avoiding any unwanted sexual advancement or sexual harassment or sexual abuse is teaching, this is a protective measure. It's teaching them how to take care of their bodies, how to avoid getting in situations where someone might want to take advantage of a child, you know? And it's teaching them to use their voice, which is very, very important to me. I've seen a lot of children being put in situations where they didn't have the right language and the right words to use. And they didn't use, you know, the right words to describe their body parts. So people don't know what they're talking about because everybody has a nickname for a body part. Especially so like, for the oh, vagina. Especially exactly. for the he, female He touched part, yeah. me in my, in my uh, whatever it is, I, I don't know, uh, my fifi. What? the hell is that i don't know where that is you know so if we label it people will know adults will know what they're talking about you know and then they know that people cannot touch them there so yes this is definitely something that i focus on on a daily basis with my children and they're aware of it from a very young age so it's creating you know body autonomy and and independence and that is something i practice on a daily basis with them no matter what thank you zina that's really thank important you. it's really powerful And um, yes, yes, it brought even back memories, many things <laughs> that you said. Thank you so Thanks. much. Okay, perfect. And uh, Zina, what is your favorite book, poem, song? I know this question is always Oof. difficult and people want to say many books or many poems or many songs, but pick mm. one of the three and choose just one. Honestly, it's really hard <laughs> to narrow it down. Uh, I can tell you a book that really affected me in the last year, let's say, with yes. all of the things that were happening in the world, with COVID, with the divorce, with homeschooling, with everything that I was going through. Uh, a book that really spoke to me was The Untethered Soul. Um, it, I think if I had read it at a different time in my life, it might not have resonated as much with me. But with what I was going through, it really spoke to me in that moment in time. And it helped ground me and calm me because I had a tendency to overworry and had a lot of anxiety and, you know, not being able to see my family, even though we were, you know, 20 minutes away from each mm. other, you know, and it's just, it was very frustrating and being locked in a house with two young kids and homeschooling. And this book really, really helped me a lot. So can you tell us a little bit what it's about? Is it a novel? Um, Is it a nonfiction? No, it's nonfiction. It's basically, um, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> you don't need to give the whole like, content. Maybe yeah, just, no, uh, it's it's basically how to process emotions and mm -hmm. it's how to deal with anxiety and to realize that there was a quote from one of my favorite poets. It says, there's no feeling is final. And this is somewhat what the book represents to me. It teaches me that not everything you're feeling right now is going to stay and be like that forever things are continuously changing and emotions continuously change and grow. And so no feeling is final. What you're feeling now is not how you'll be feeling an hour from now. So just to remember to just 
let the moment pass through you and to process what's happening to you. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to, to have all these emotions, but to realize that no feeling is final and you will get through anything, no matter what, just to remain calm in the moment. It was yes. more a self-help book. I'd like to say. Yes. 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 Yeah. That's what I wanted to hear. This kind of answer. <laughs> Because I more think it will help others as yeah, well. Absolutely. Um, your suggestion, others who are listening. And maybe just for the listeners, um, Zina had to homeschool her daughters for one and a half years. Just mm -hmm. FYI, I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> Please do, because it was yes. not an easy time. And I can tell you there were lots of breakdowns, lots of crying, lots of screaming. And lots of bonding at the same time. We were able to go out for walks very often because there was a period of time we weren't allowed to drive. So I think it was a period of two months, maybe we weren't allowed to drive or maybe even three months. Wow. So we did a lot of walks in the neighborhood. We did a lot of nature walks, um, exploring in our neighborhood. So that, that bond, it helped us bond, but it was yes. tough. It was a year and a half of, uh, yeah. And you also told me something about the parking lot because I remember one day we were riding and you say we are in the parking lot or in the garage. You were or they were in the garage or you were in the garage with them? Oh, no? we, we used to play in the garage. Yeah. yeah I remember something with yeah. the garage. We used to jump rope because there was Friday lockdowns. We weren't allowed out in the streets sometimes. And if anybody saw us, if the police saw us, they'd arrest us. So we would just go down into the garage so we could get some sort of fresh air and just jump rope play hopscotch and, and then go back upstairs after an hour. Wow. Yes. I, I remember that with the garage. Yes. That was tough. <laughs> But as you said, nothing is final, right? Exactly. And Zina, who has been your soul? Who inspired you? Ooh, how much time do you have? <laughs> We have time. We have time. We have time. Um, there's a lot of women, strong women that really inspire me. And But I, I lived in Saudi for a period of time. I was married and living in Saudi. And leaving Saudi and getting a divorce and raising two girls has really turned me into such a feminist. <laughs> um, much more than I ever was before. I think more so now because I have two young daughters that I want to instill this, you know, this thought in them. So I have a lot of women that do inspire me, especially from the region. Uh, one of my main, one of the main people that inspire me is Noor Imam, whose Instagram handle is This Mother Being. She is a doula and she is an educator and she teaches women in Egypt about their bodies and uh, about, uh, you know, uh, sexual relationships before marriage, after marriage, uh, uh, which is something that's unheard of in the region. And she's really breaking uh, boundaries and she really, really inspires me. Uh, which is part of the reason why I got into what I'm doing is because of her, because I saw that if somebody in Egypt is doing this, then somebody in Jordan needs to do this. Yeah. And so she definitely inspired me. Um, other women from the region that inspire me are Elsa Freha, who owns uh, Wumina. It's a um, women uh, organization. They highlight women from different, uh, uh, different backgrounds in, in the Middle East. Another person that inspires me is uh, Rotana. I think her last name is Tarabzuni. She's a Saudi artist and she started a podcast and I can't say the name of the podcast because there's a swear word in it, but I mean, um, to me it's fine, but okay. It's the uh, F and blessed. 
Okay. And she's really, I think because her, um, a lot of her audience is Saudi women. She's reached, she's reached quite a lot of Saudi women with her podcast and uh, she's really been an inspiration. And she's talked about things where, which are considered pretty shameful and taboo in our region. And I think part of the thing that helps is that she lives in California. So that really helps a lot, but she's, she's amazing. She's an artist. She's an educator. She is a feminist. And I think she's amazing. I have a list. I will definitely, I will definitely look her up Yeah, because I guess Um, the podcast is in English, right? Uh, yes, it's in English. It's a very short series on, nice. on her Instagram. Uh, her, her Instagram is I am Rotana. Um, another person that inspires me is Dr. Sandrine Attallah. She's a Lebanese um, doctor and uh, her specialty is that she deals with uh, sexual issues. And she also has a podcast. She is inspirational. She unfortunately faced a lot of problems when she went on Lebanese media. And she was invited to go on a talk show um, earlier this year. And instead of focusing on what it is that she does, they started shaming her, which was just unnecessary and ridiculous in this day and age, you know? And there was a lot of backlash about it. And I'm so glad that people are starting to become aware of, of, of these issues. Mm-hmm. There was, they bullied her. Um, she's a doctor. She she came on air to specifically talk about specific things, and instead you decided to sexualize her and shame her, which was just ridiculous. Also, there's Dr. Rana Tayara, there's Dr. Dima Saleh, who talks, who's an OBGYN in Dubai. She also talks about these very important issues, uh, especially for married couples, but in a more Islamic appropriate um, umbrella. So I think that's very important in our region if you want to have trusted people who are from similar backgrounds, people who are, you know, who do use religion in a way to create better understanding, then that's fantastic if that Mm -hmm. can be done. As for international women that really inspire me, Clementine Ford, I don't know if you know her, she's an Australian feminist, and I think she is awesome. She's really helped me with a lot of stuff. Um, There was uh, another woman called, um, her handle is called Herspective. Her name is Evelyn. I think she has a PhD in gender studies and women's uh, health. Maybe I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure. Her her take on a lot of feminist issues are fantastic. And Florence Givens, who wrote a book in the last year, it's called Women Don't Owe You Pretty. She's really helped me a lot. So, and one more. There's an account called Moj or Moj. There they are uh, Arab women creating content for Arab women. Uh, sexual content as well about sexual health and reproduction and uh, they've even created the first uh, vibrator in the Middle East by Arab women for Arab women which I think is fantastic I will look everything up your whole list they they are all inspiring amazing women and I am so grateful that I follow all of them on Instagram and they really really inspire me amazing yes I want to check them all all of them Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. You shared a no lot. Problem. I think people will, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope it'll inspire people to check it, to I'm check sure. out a lot of I'm stuff. I'm sure and... it will. I'm sure. Yes. And yeah, Zina, so. to whom do you want to pass the salt and what do you want to say to them? Uh, I would like to pass the salt on to the women of the Middle East. I think things are changing. Finally, there's a, a feminist revolution and it's about time and it's long overdue. And I want to inspire these women and I want them to inspire others to continue what we are doing because things cannot continue the way they are continuing. 
it it's no longer working for us things are changing so yes arab women go <laughs> yes yes yeah that's so. a statement yeah thank you zina thank you what is your question for me <laughs> <sighs> where do i begin um <laughs> how do you do it all how do i do it all <laughs> yeah you mean what, uh, what keeps you going how do you do it <laughs> You mean family, relationship, work, studies, everything, podcast, everything. Yes. Um I've had this question. Yeah, I get this question a lot. And um first of all, I don't want people to think because I used to hear very often, oh you're such a superwoman and you're such you're my hero. And in the past, I mean some years ago I would feel so flattered, you know, oh yeah, I'm a superwoman, I'm a superhero. <laughs> I'm per and I'm not perfect, but I was flattered by it. But at the same time, I was also hurt because it didn't give me a lot of room to actually share my vulnerability. Because when I would do that, people would say, ah, but it's you, Stella, you always manage. So I don't want people, I'm, I'm saying this because I don't want people to think, oh, everything works for her, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I obviously have my hardships and my difficulties and my sad moments and my insecurities and everything. But I think I'm a very, very energetic person. I have a lot of energy and I'm very, very curious and I'm very um, eager to live. I'm very curious about life and learning. And I love people. I love people. I love meeting people, listening to their stories, learning from people. People inspire me, you know. My parents always told me, um, anybody can inspire you. Anybody who comes mm. your way, you will learn something from th this person, you know. And I think all these things give me a lot of energy and I'm looking for things. And the older I get, um, the more I do it. I'm looking for things that really fulfill me. And um, I try to get rid of things that harm me or make me sad or whatever. And, and I'm really looking for it. And I always want to evolve. I always want to, to learn more and give back. I love to give. I love really to give. And, and I don't believe I'm here. Um, yeah, just to come and eat and enjoy my life and that's it i really believe in in social justice and making a difference and making a change what you also said um and i think yeah and i have an amazing partner like um i'm very blessed with that um we share um many things so uh it's not like oh i have to do it all and uh, he's very supportive he's very supportive for instance when i told him last year i'm i'm going to stop working and i want to do a master in gender studies And I want to learn more about feminism. And this is really what I want. He was like, okay, go for it. That's it. <laughs> and that's it, you know? I mean, the tendency and, with a lot of men is to roll their eyes when they say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It yeah. is. And of course, you know, he, like, even in him, I see now an, a, a feminist evolution, you know, or revolution. That's, that's beautiful. Now, now he says things where I'm like, did you really say that? Wow. I didn't expect this from you, you know. Now he's becomes, of course, also more aware of things. So I think, yeah, all of this, but also becoming more, more, um, becoming more vulnerable. Also saying, um, stop, or um, showing my pain or showing my feelings. That also helps me in 
doing everything that I'm doing. Because in the past, I was really about this. I have to be the superwoman. I have to be perfect. I have to have this. I have to be like this. I cannot admit this, you know, and that caused other problems. So I think uh, all these things, yes, yes. And yeah, I just have a lot of energy and I'm kind of crazy. And I don't, (laughs) I don't accept to surrender, you know, I will just go for it. So yeah, that's, that I would say. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else you want to ask? Because you said, where do I start? (laughs) I think, I think you covered pretty much, uh, you know, uh, everything. I mean, I can relate when you said that you didn't like to ask for help in the beginning, but then I realized that it's exhausting not asking for help. It's exhausting doing everything on your own. You need to ask for help and it's okay to ask for help. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to finish with a very beautiful poem by Nikita Jill, who I've honored before in one of my podcasts. And I want to finish with a poem of hers that I saw you had posted on your Instagram, and it's also one of my favorites by her. So I thought we should read that out. And it's, of course, also in line with what we talked about. So Mm -hmm. it says, tell your daughters how you love your body. Tell them how they must love theirs. Tell them to be proud of every bit of themselves, from their tiger stripes to the soft flesh of their thighs. Whether there is a little of them or a lot, whether freckles cover their face or not, whether their curves are plentiful or slim, whether their hair is thick, curly, straight, long or short. Tell them how they inherited their ancestors, souls and their smiles, that their eyes carry countries that breathed life into history, that the swing of their hips does not determine their destiny. Tell them never to listen when bodies are critiqued. Tell them every woman's body is beautiful because every woman's soul is unique. Beautiful. Yes. So thank you so much, Zina. Thank you. For taking the time to speak with us. I will um, upload all the information on Instagram, my website, and I will definitely Google all the women you mentioned today. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with others, spread the word. And yeah, let's make a difference all together for our daughters. Thank Thank you, you, Zina. Something that is loved is never lost. I'm Stella Salieri, and this is Salt the Podcast. Salt the Podcast. Salt the Podcast.